0: You'll find out in just a minute how much I mean that. 2 Chronicles 5, verse 13, it says, It came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music, And praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. That then the house was filled with a cloud. Even the house of the Lord. This place, the house of the Lord. Verse 14, and he goes, So that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Wow. <laughs> you know what? Did you know that the Bible, they had blowout services too? We just read that, that, that in our text here. This is the dedication um, of, of the temple after Solomon completed the construction project. They're coming in. This is the dedication service. And the Bible says that the trumpeters and the singers were as one. Right, right. To make a sound, to make one sound, not, not multiple different sounds, but they were making together as one, one sound yeah. to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever that then the house of the Lord was filled. When was the house of the Lord filled? After the trumpeters and the singers became as one and made one sound. That means that, you know, the ace trumpeter, the what do they call him in the public school? I don't know, first chair or first, first chair? The best trumpeteer. Even if he knew a solo improvisation that he could insert into this song he wasn't doing that he was playing the same sound that everybody else was playing and what was that sound brother Nelson the sound was praising and thanking the Lord one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord I feel the Holy Ghost all over me hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah. Every cymbal, every crash, every thump on the drum, every, every tinkling uh, of the piano, every, uh, the, the, the different sounds that, that filled that sanctuary. I don't know if they had a piano. I don't know what kind of stringed instruments they had. I doubt it was a piano because I, you know, I don't know when that was created. But, but all the different instruments of music praised the Lord. And it wasn't just the music, but there was singers involved. There was a company of voices coming together and joining with that sound of the musicians and the singers. Everybody was as one sound. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For just a little bit tonight, I want to preach on this subject, preaching to the choir. Amen. Why don't we lay down our Bibles and ask the Lord to anoint our minds, anoint our hearts, anoint our spirits to respond to His Word tonight. I believe the Lord has a purpose for this service. Let's make ourselves available to Him. Jesus, we trust You, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's it. Let's give the Lord some praise tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated for just a few moments. The phrase preaching to the choir, as many of you, I'm sure, already know, it, it is used to identify a message that is preached to an audience who, who uh, presumably does not need to hear the message. They are, they're the choir. They're the ones that are in the choir loft, lifting their voices, singing to God. the 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 intonation here, the understanding that is being conveyed with this phrase is that the choir is living right. They they're they're doing what's right. They're pleasing God. And so what's the point in preaching to the choir? Why? Why would you take the time to preach to a choir? And uh, tonight, I'm not trying to make this anything that it's not, okay? Um, I just, I want to make sure that I get everything across as clearly as possible. Amen. But I'm going to be transparent for just a moment because sometimes when I stand behind this pulpit, it sure feels like I'm preaching to a choir. Feels like, what do I have to say? What can I do to help any one of these who have lived their life for God, who have dedicated their lives to God? And uh, you may have noticed I'm kind of taking my time here because my voice, if, if I'm not careful... Will disappear in a few moments but that I'm trying to just lay that out for you because that's that is one of the battles that I struggle with and yay even struggled with it this afternoon preparing for this message I don't want to be seen as um a a an individual who in his pride or arrogance uh tries to with his own understanding make corrections and make uh, try to offer solutions if you will okay and and so please understand that that is not the spirit that I am coming to you tonight in I asked um, the Lord to help me to deliver this is going to be a different service than you've ever been a part of. Um, tonight, I can already tell you that you probably already know that. But um, by the way, it is good to see the Portiers here tonight. I'm so pleased to see them all the way from. Uh, well, I'm, I think you guys still live here. Is that correct? You guys still live here, but you guys are from the islands, and it's it's a blessing each time you guys come. And and so you have to uh, forgive me and wait for Bishop to come. By the way, Bishop's on sabbatical, so uh, he's he's going to be back at the end of this month. And uh, so he'll be here, and he'll be reared and ready to go to preach the Word of God. But tonight you got me, so I hope you can put up with it. Uh, and, and please understand, this, uh, I, 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 I'm not hesitating because I'm concerned about the message. I'm confident what the Lord gave to me. But I am concerned about the messenger. And I want to make sure that the message is preached in the correct spirit. I mentioned this morning about the expression, the compassion, the compulsion, the direction. I feel like I've got direction. I feel like I have compassion. I love every person in this church. I feel like God has given me a, a a during this time a special grace to to help this church, and He's clearly been doing some wonderful things. And um, and uh, I. I've, I'm very compelled to preach this message tonight. I, I'm not hesitating because of that. But what I am hesitating, again, is for the expression of God. I want to be able to express. It's very easy for a man of God. You, uh, as a church body, as one who's never stood in a pulpit carrying the burden of the Word of God, you, you may not understand the amount of, of, of risk that is involved in that process. You may not understand the amount of responsibility that, that falls on a man who says, I am going to become a man of God. I'm going to try to preach the Word of God. You're putting yourself out on a limb. You're putting yourself in a precarious position that, that, that allows others to, to construe or misconstrue what you say and what you do. And I would say, and and please understand that um, I'm not just talking about myself. I I talk about the ministry as a whole, but but. But when a man of God assumes the pulpit that at least the ones that have any, uh, have any promise or have any hope of, of a successful ministry, they will approach that pulpit with all gravity, with all sincerity, with all, with all humbleness and, and desire to not impress anybody, not entertain anybody, not perform for anybody, but to please God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so, when you assume the pulpit in an apostolic church, which I believe to be one among few churches that still maintain, amen, and adhere to the principles of apostolic truth, amen, this church, among few others in the American land, the land of America, and even across the world, I'll add, amen, that are still contending for the faith that was once to live. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. hallelujah hallelujah but even in those churches I don't know what the cause is I've got some ideas I've got some assumptions but I don't know if these are in fact the cause but even in churches like what I just described even in this church Preaching can become a performance sport. Say the next thing that will tickle my fancy. Say another thing that will cause me to utter the word, wow. Entertain me, man of God. I'm not interested in salvation. I'm interested in entertainment as i mentioned and, and it's not as as forthright as that people don't come out and say well i'm only interested in entertainment they don't they don't do that but and like i said there are i've got ideas as to why that uh, that has crept into the the apostolic movement i think you know possibly the pandemic caused some of this where, you know, we're more um, attuned or more programmed to enjoy, you know, entertaining things. And, um, but really it's society at large, America at large, we've reached a place of affluence. I've heard Bishop Johnson talk about this, that that at, even in the church, that, that there is a... Um, and this is not necessarily everybody, but the spirit affects everybody. But a, a con, an idea, or a uh, uh, the the drive of uh, the drive no longer exists. There's no drive to to uh, work hard for anything because because you know I could pipe it, pop it in the microwave and and 30 seconds or a minute and a half later it's it's there and it's good. It's it's not probably not you know like. Cooking from scratch, but it'll fill the need. And so, I really feel a burden right now for what I'm trying to share with you. Hey Amen. Just bear with me for just a few moments. Hey Amen. the The word that that God gives to a man of God is not a microwavable treat. It's not something that you can you could throw. Uh, you can eat. Unwrap it and throw the wrapping paper in the trash. It's, it's not that easy. All right. All right. Hallelujah. Me as a young preacher standing, amen, in, a, in an apostolic church where 28 years of, of bishop who's labored in the word and in, in the spirit who's worked day in and day out. I remember a time, I'm not trying to build anybody up. I, I don't mind building up my pastor, but I'm not trying to uh, do anything that's, that's you know, inappropriate here. But I remember watching pastor take on himself, take on a 50-day fast for this church. You know why? Do you know why he took on that fast? Maybe many of you didn't know that. This was a year about the year that, it was back in 2021, where Brother Savala, came but the reason he did that is because he and these are his words to me that he felt like the life of the church was in the balance and so we have a man of God that is willing to go to great lengths to extenuate himself to put himself out on a limb to take on the risk of pastoring a church of preaching and, and trying to ascertain what is the will of God for you. What is the message from God for this weekend, for this week, for this people, for this time. Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2: Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort. It requires all of that, by the way. Sometimes, even in Pentecostal churches, we tie the ministry's hands and they can't, they can only exhort. <laughs> it's, it, may, it makes it difficult for them to reprove and rebuke. But we've got one of the most long-suffering Pastors. And, the, and this is exactly what the man of God said to Timothy. He said, Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. We have one of the most doctrine, as my dad would say, doctrinist teaching preachers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm so thankful that we are a part of a church that the man of God, Brother Jerome, don't you feel this way? That the man of God just preaches the word, yeah, yeah, yeah. he preaches the word. Not a word, but the word. And he lives it. I and mean, that's why he's so, uh, the, the message that he preaches is so acceptable to us. And this is why I, I, seek my, I seek to do my best to emulate my pastor. Because I want to have that kind of long suffering, that kind of patience. I want to have the understanding of doctrine that he does. And it requires lots and lots of work. But why did Timothy, why did Paul tell Timothy to do this, preach the word? Why? Why did he tell him to do this? He said, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They won't put up with it. They don't have the patience for it. They don't, it's not, it doesn't meet their quota. It doesn't meet their criteria. They will not endure it. But after their own lusts. This is what they'll do. They'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth. They turn away their ears from the word and shall be turned unto fables. So what's the solution? Preach the word. The solution is in this day and age, not To turn on the lights. Not to turn on the beat. Not to find the the most capable and qualified singer. But to preach the word. To reprove, to rebuke, to exhort with long-suffering and doctrine. Hallelujah. Amen. this morning, the service... That we were a part of. I believe the Lord prepared us for this service tonight. This message has been um, rolling around in my mind and in my heart for a few weeks. Ever since a conversation with a young man who's sitting here tonight. The Lord prepared us for this service tonight. Yeah. Because, in the service this morning, at the end of the service. And if, if you were in Sunday school, I... Not because I preached the message, but because I feel like the Lord spoke to this church. I think you ought to take the time to listen to it. We had tongues and interpretations at the end of the service, interpretation at the end of service. And as Brother Larson mentioned, that the Lord did confirm His word. And I want to tell this church that from this moment on in the service... This, I'm not going to hold you to the standard every other service, but to, in this service tonight. This is where I'm saying it's going to get different. But I am going to ask you to determine when the altar service is. And I, I mentioned it this morning. Brother Self really brought this to my mind in a conversation with him. He wasn't the one I talked to that, that caused this message, but in a separate conversation I was talking to him recently. He mentioned an observation he's made, and, and that is the deep respect that this church has for the ministry, and and specifically pulpit ministry. When the man of God stands behind the pulpit, and uh, he's preaching the word of God, and I think that's just because pastors has taught us that and has led us in in hearing and obeying and earnestly trying to receive and mix it with faith and obey it. And, um, and I give honor to this church for that. But I want to, I've got to be very careful here, but I want to caution this church to not hide behind that. Don't hide behind your, um, your respect for the ministry. What do I mean by that? I mean using that as an excuse not to respond to what God has to say. when God begins to tug at your heart, when God begins to work on you, you ought to be vulnerable enough, you ought to risk it, just like the preacher is. You ought to risk, maybe I'm stepping out of line here, but I'm going to respond. How many times have you heard me say that? Maybe, I, maybe I'm Maybe i stepping out, maybe I'm whatever. But what I'm asking you is for you, I mentioned it this morning, check yourself, double check yourself, triple check yourself. But if you keep feeling an undying drawing from God, if God is, is, is consistently tugging and pulling, buddy, that's the Holy Ghost. You, you cannot deny that. And the more you do that, the, more, the, the, the less he's going to draw you. Oh, somebody listen to me right now. If you continue to ignore when the Spirit of God is speaking to you, (laughs) He may just stop. (laughs) He may never speak to you again. It is more than just hype. It is more than just me trying to elicit some kind of, I want you to do this type of a dancer. I want you to do... No, that's not what's going on. When the man of God is preaching uh, Amen. under the anointing of God and and if you can still feel it, if you can still feel the anointing and you do feel the anointing and you suppress it, it's not not right now. I don't feel like... What will people say? What will people think? What will people do? I'm asking you to risk it. Blind Bartimaeus on the roadside, Brother Hall, when Jesus walked by. Everybody already knows that I'm blind. Everybody knows I'm a beggar. I'm not trying to impress anybody. I have nothing to lose. I have I have nothing to lose. But I have everything to gain. When Jesus walks by, child of God, you have nothing to lose. Yeah, in the carnal sense, sure. You might lose your pride. You might have a few people look at you crooked for a few minutes. But as soon as the Holy Ghost makes its way over to where they're at, they can't help themselves either. I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight. (laughs) You ought to risk it. Don't we love to hear a soloist get up and strike every note just right? Don't we like to hear that talented musician improv? And boy, it sounds good and it feels good, Brother Jahim. does it, when the timing just kind of mm, just goes in. In order for that to happen, that person has to risk it. He has to put himself out there and say, I might make a mistake. I might just slip up here. And believe me, you're going to be the first to know if you do when it comes to music and that kind of stuff. I think even... In the spirit world, in the church, unless you're just completely blinded to it, I think more often than not, you will be the first to know if you stop out of line. I'm going to preach to you as long as you'll endure it tonight. And I know this church can endure some preaching. <laughs> I I I know I'm preaching to the choir. Here's where things would be different. I've got a stack of chairs out there in the back of my truck. Maybe some of you saw it when you came in. Brother Jerome and a few of you men that are, let's, I guess, say 30 years old and under, if we can't do it. With that group, maybe some of you elderly men, you're older, not the ones that are above thirty, let's can help out if we're going too slow. But <laughs> I'm risking it. Brother Jerome, do you mind going out to the back and getting that podium first before you start helping? And hey, brother Jaheem, uh there the truck is right there. Brother Andrew, could you help me out? Uh brother Josh, you just made the cut. Brother Carter. Uh brother Caleb. Who else we got? I guess I'm 30, so I can help too. But um, just give us a few minutes. We're going to set up. Why don't you greet somebody, let each other know how weird this is. And uh, it shouldn't take us more than five minutes, okay? Okay. facing this way. All right, thank you. You leave that right there. I'm going to stand here for just a second. And um, there are times in Scripture that the Bible talks about um, making psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sister Lydia put up Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, a scriptural precedent in the New Testament church for the usage of what, what we described in our text tonight, just singing unto the Lord and, and that facilitating our praise and thanks to God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21 says, Speak to, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things unto God, and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just like we talked about tonight, Amen. Uh, can't stop praising His name. That I'm still trying to catch my breath a little bit. I know I didn't do very much work, but uh, I walked back and forth a lot. When you're this, you're getting thirty, forty pounds heavier, you know. But give thanks, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to give thanks in the name of Jesus. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And again, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So there is scriptural precedent for... Um, for using our worship, our music, to give God glory, to give God praise, to honor God—exactly what we do tonight. In fact, I asked Pastor one time, was, "How how did we come up with the structure of our services? Not just the True Church, but Pentecostals at large. Like, how wh- what is the deal?" And his, he referred me to the synagogues, and I don't know. I I, I don't know what the details are there. Um, whether or not they sang. Or not, but one of the practices that they would do is they'd get up at a certain point in the service, and they would uh, one would read a text, read a portion of scripture. Then he'd go sit down, and then he would uh, share from the Lord, from the Word of God, what he believed God's message was to that community. And they would have synagogues. This is not the temple or the or the tabernacle, but these are just areas of worship. And the purpose of it was exactly that: worshiping and lifting up the Word of God, and honoring God's word. And um, this is one of those areas where I'm I'm going to risk it. I'm going to risk it because, uh, as I mentioned, I did struggle a couple of for a couple of hours this afternoon. And you know, this might flop. I don't know, and I trust God, but I'm going to ask you all to switch me spots. We've got prime seating for the choir tonight, now I know this is risky because I can make some of you mad, I could, but well, some of you got a good spirit, you guys are welcome to join there, too. If, if you don't, if you can't make it up there physically, that's fine, but if you need help, if you want to, can, I would appreciate it. By the way, I did make sure we had enough chairs, so we have 38 people here tonight. We have 50 chairs on the platform, so we should be good. Somebody help Brother Anthony up there. Pastor Hilton, Pastor Farrell, would you all mind joining me down here? I would appreciate it. I'm going to get up a little closer. I thought I thought in my mind, I thought we would have, it would be more difficult to see you, but uh, I'm coming closer. Now, what is this all about? Can you guys hear me okay? What is this all about? Why, Jared, do you go to the trouble of, uh, of swapping the whole service around? I want you to understand that you're responsible for this service. There have been times when I've seen pastors stand behind the pulpit and labor under the anointing from heaven. And to be honest with you, church, please understand the spirit in which I'm coming to you tonight. I'll be honest with you that I believe that it could have produced a better response. And it's not all about the response. I understand that. I I don't believe that, that a preacher should only preach for response. But what he does preach for, and I can tell you this from firsthand experience, and any of these men who stood in this pulpit could also... Uh, tell you that what we do preach for is change, is a transformation. Paul said, transform my mind, God. Transform by the renewing of my mind. How do we renew our mind? We renew our mind by the preached Word of God, through the Spirit of God. I understand tonight that I am preaching to a church full of apostolic saints that that have stood the test of time, whose faith has endured strong trials and persecution, I know, Amen. That you uh, that you uh, certainly, maybe even now, are going through various circumstances that are trying your faith. And but let me tell you tonight uh, that even in those circumstances, uh, the opportunity to worship God uh, never leaves hallelujah hallelujah there has been Amen. In this service, a number of opportunities. Yes, I know there are dynamics that influence how a service will go. Amen. Pre-service prayer is one of the strongest factors, one of the biggest factors that influence a service. Amen. But but you've got to understand, amen, that you as a child of God are not coming to an entertainment venue to be preached to or to be sung to or to be entertained or to just enjoy the presence of God right. amen, amen, amen. it isn't for the purpose uh, of tickling your fancy as I said a minute ago I mean, but it's for the purpose uh, of transforming Yes, even the even the choir has to be changed. Even those who've been saved have to be redeemed again. Amen. I've been there, child of God. I grew up in church. I know what it's like to be backslidden, sitting on an apostolic pew. And I'm here to tell you that I need salvation just like you do. Hallelujah, and this is the place to get it. If you are struggling in your spirit, if you are facing circumstances that you've never faced before, the temple, the house of God, the Ark of the Covenant is the place to go to. Hallelujah, you could be seated. It was at the temple, the dedication of the temple, where the trumpeteers lifted up their trumpets and sounded, amen, a glorious sound. It was at the dedication of the temple when the singers, no matter how off tune or how untrained they were, every single one of them joined together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, you hear me tonight. Amen, I know, amen, that there are things that influence the success of a service. But as I mentioned, pre-service prayer is one of the strongest factors. But let me let you know another factor that I think is more important than just pre-service prayer. Or perhaps equally as important. And that is you. I think it's more important. We can't have pre-service prayer without a church. We can't have pre-service prayer. We can't have worship. And you can look down. You can, you can look down. Please hear me tonight. I don't want to offend anybody. Amen. But the apostle tells us that in the last days. Amen. There will be people who are offended. So I'm going to risk it tonight. I'm going to tell you that there are those of you who certainly do. Hallelujah. There are some of you who certainly do. Produce. I don't hate you. I love you. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. But there are some times when the opposition is not a spirit. The opposition is sitting in a pew. Because I'm too spiritual. Because I've got... I've got corn in the crib, as it were. I, I've been here, done that. Do you see the way he's saying that note? Do you hear how she's saying that note? They—they're off time over here. They're over here uh, shaking a tambourine out of time or out of out of sync with everybody else. Let me tell you, amen. I it's your place not to stand in opposition of what God is doing, but to step up and say, "God, I want to join the choir." I'm going to risk it. I'm going to change my circumstance. I'm not going to sit here and criticize it. Wait for the next opportunity to make fun of Brother Hall or Brother Larson or anybody. I'm here. I'm here to sing in the choir. I'm here to worship my Lord. He's the one that saved me. He's the one that changed me. He's the one that forgave me. Hey, it's on you tonight. It's on you tonight. Amen. It was this lackadaisical attitude. It was this spirit and mentality, amen, that drove the Israelites into bondage when God had set them free. Hallelujah. God gave him liberty over Egypt, set him free from the bondage of, of slavery. Amen. And because they didn't take the commandments and the will of God and the word of God to the appropriate location in their life, they didn't allow it to change them. Amen. Judge after judge came, prophet after prophet came. Amen. And time after time, the people of God. Hallelujah. So that's not for me. That one was for so and so. That one was for this person. That one was not for me. I'm not the one that should be in the altar right now. Why isn't so and so responding? This is why pride. This is why pride. This is why pride. Amen. Is the most hated, the most abominable sin in Scripture. Hallelujah. Well, I've been in the choir before. I've sung the notes. I lifted my voice. So it's just not my time. It's time for the next generation to step up. Hey, I I wholeheartedly agree with that, actually. But it's not an excuse. You, precious saints of God, have a treasure that can only be relayed. It won't be relayed from a pulpit. It won't be relayed from... what? I'll tell you where it will be relayed. It's going to be relayed in these altars right here. When you're saying, God, I am sorry. Or God... If I need to do better, show me where. Change me. Don't make me live this way. Don't let me go home the same way that I came. There was a study that was done by a, um, it's a denominal church, but they they paid for it. And the the end result of the study was that um, this is cross-denomination, actually. Basically, these two pastors, they were down in Florida, and they they started realizing that church attendance was dropping off. So they went and joined up with an academic firm, and then they poured in some of the money to, to produce this result. One of the things that they were studying was why. Why is the next generation so different than us. Why is it so... Why are they so blatantly not interested in the word of God or the kingdom of God or living for God? That kind of stuff. Why are they... And of course, you know, take it with a grain of salt. We're talking about denominational churches here. But the result astounded me. Because the result is that what they found was that it wasn't the next generation after all. It was what was being relayed to them from the former generation. The former generation wasn't honest enough. They'd come to church. They'd lift their hands. They'd go through the motions. But when they went home, those babies heard a totally different story. And I'm not saying that's what's going on in this church, so please understand me. I know I'm preaching to the choir, amen. But you got to know, amen, that what you say in your home, it really, 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 really matters. The spirit by which you say it really, really matters. There are some of us out here that are risking it. And I'm not patting myself on the back. There's more than just me, amen, that facilitates a, a service at the Truth Church. And some, I really feel like, I love when Brother, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but I love when Brother Nelson leads song service because it's like he just taps right in there. And the Holy Ghost starts to flow. Amen, I wish I could do it like that, Brother Nelson. Hallelujah. So I know I'm preaching to the choir. I, I see the faces of people I genuinely love and respect. Amen. But I want you to hear my heart tonight. I'm not coming to you in some form of arrogance or pride. I want you to know, amen, that we have such potential, amen, and that what we say and do in a service ought to align with what we do when we go home and on Monday morning when we go to work and Tuesday night when we're not feeling so well, but we're going to push ourselves through it and come to church anyhow. And then on Friday night when the temptation comes to look at something or do something that we shouldn't do, I know I'm preaching to the choir it was because it was because that generation I'm not talking about the next generation I'm talking about the one before them the one that was conveying the truth the one that was sharing their experience It was that generation that was taken into captivity. And it was because they wouldn't adhere to a single commandment from God to allow their land to rest that they were in captivity for 70 years. And finally, finally they gained favor. Oh, Nehemiah, the cupbearer, came to the king and the king's hire said, Hey, buddy. How's old Jerusalem doing? I've heard some stories about what your God can do. I've heard them tell about Azusa Street Revival. I've heard them talk about the day of Pentecost and how the glory of God came. I heard it. What's the status on all of that? what are you guys doing well sir we're we're here in babylon we're we're serving you and really all your people take this money go back to jerusalem it was a heathen king that caused the revival for israel Put that into today's perspective. Take, take that and apply that. What is it going to take for you and for me to see the kind of revival that God has promised us? Do we need to wait for the heathen to come? Do we need to wait for them to be stirred? The Bible talks about how God used Cyrus, a heathen king, Why couldn't God use His own people? Why couldn't God get through to Israel? It took a heathen king. Here's the money. And finally something started to stir. I'm going back to Jerusalem. We're going to rebuild everything that God gave to us. You fast forward the tape, and they went through some situations. You could read the story yourself. Amen. The, the amount of attacks and all of the trouble that they that they dealt with, and and revival is not going to come easy. You all have heard that message, and I can I I can't preach it any better than Pastor has. The door indeed is open, but there are adversaries. There will be opposition. Amen. But don't let the opposition creep in to our service. Is. We don't have to, we don't have to do that. We don't have to. We've got power over every spirit from hell. I mentioned it in while we were talking about spiritual warfare. Amen. And and I talked about Amen. Once you cast those spirits out, guess what? They don't have the authority to be in service with you. They don't? You know what gives them permission? me so if we're dealing with some kind of spiritual opposition some of you oh God. while I'm preaching this message and while you're sitting on the platform and I, I understand babies okay I understand babies so I'm not there's there's certainly exceptions here. But some of you while I'm preaching and you are sitting on the platform you're distracted. I'm preaching to you. I'm preaching to the choir right now. This is not some stunt. I'm not trying what I'm trying to do is get your attention. Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 31, at the end of the rebuilding of the temple, you, you, are in Jerusalem, when you know, many of you may know the story, but when they got the groundwork laid, just the foundation, the young men started to rejoice because they, were, they had seen such success. Wow, look at all the progress that we made. Amazing. But the old timers that remember what was taken away from them, the ones that felt the guilt felt the responsibility they sat there and wept they said this is nowhere near what it used to be I know I'm young but I've sat in that pew right here and I looked up and I saw adults standing all around me all across this front and the glory of God was coming down I'm talking like I'm Five, six, or seven, maybe just after getting the Holy Ghost. Probably when I actually started paying attention. Healings. Resurrections from the dead. Legitimate miracles. And it's not just about miracles, but those are signs, as we mentioned this morning, that we are true believers. If we're not seeing those kinds of signs that we have lost part of what we believe. <laughs> Nehemiah 12, 31 says, Then I brought up the princes of Judah upon the wall and appointed two great companies of them that gave thanks. Two. Whereof one went on the right hand upon the wall toward the dung gate. Skip down to Verse 38. Bible says, and the other company of them that gave thanks. And between verse 31 and 38, they just enumerate all the people that were in that company. But verse 38 says, and identifies what the other company does. The second company of them that gave thanks went over against them, and after I, and I after them. And the half of the people upon the wall from beyond the tower of the furnaces, even under the broad wall. And from above the gate of Ephraim, and above the old gate, and above the fish gate, and the tower of Hananiel, and the tower of Mia, even unto the sheep gate, and they stood still in the prison gate. So stood the two companies, every one of them, covering the city of Jerusalem, that place that they had just finished complete the building project. They had had gone through the hard work that it takes to restore what used to be. And now we have a great host of people who stood. The two companies of them that gave thanks in the house of God and I and the half of the rulers with me. I don't know, Brother Hall, but maybe it was some of those elderly men that remembered the time where everybody was worshiping about and dancing and partying about the foundation. But they said, Now, now's the time to sing. Now I've got a reason to say thank you. It's what was once lost is now found. What was once gone is now back in its proper place. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Similarly, when David, and I don't have time to preach this message, certainly you have heard somebody preach it far better than I can do it, but when David went out to retrieve the Ark of the Covenant, before he went back, uh, Brother Nelson, every six steps, I'm going to give the Lord the due honor that he deserves. I'm going to give Him praise. It doesn't matter how much effort this takes. It doesn't matter, amen, how much work it is. I'm going to give Him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen, Sister Tori, you can get on the piano whenever you're ready. Amen. I want you to understand, I know and recognize, amen, that apostolics, Pentecostals have unique weekends. Uh, I I work an entire work week, and then I have to come, and this particular weekend I have to preach two services. Amen. So I understand what it's like to be tired. I know what it's like to be exhausted and say, no, I can't worship anymore. No, I can't praise Him anymore. No, I, I don't feel like it, I should say probably a better way is I don't feel like I had the strength to do what you're asking of me how many times that spirit and that attitude does it take for us to lose it hallelujah I know that the scriptures that I've read to you tonight are primarily folks that were in the priesthood, the Levite family. I'm, I'm getting ready to close. We might just go have some pizza and call it a flop. But he, but when Peter came and, and was preaching and writing his epistle, I should say, First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, the Bible tells us, but ye are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a part of this crew. All the singers, all the trumpeters were a part were some facet of the Levite family. All those who conducted the work around the, the 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 tabernacle, setting up, tearing down, everybody that was working a part of the as a part of the transition, and those who were servicing, you can begin to play. Those who were servicing the 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 temple, uh, uh, facilitating the offerings and and so on. Those were all all priests, all Levites. Even if if uh, Apostle, uh, sorry, uh, in First Chronicles verse fifteen, when when David gets back to. Jerusalem with the ark after having worshipped every six steps. We know the story how, how Uzzah touched the ark and, and he died and and because they went out of order they went out of pro- there is a necessary order there is a necessary structure to the way uh, service ought to be amen. But when they got back there, when they got back to Jerusalem, listen to what David asked for. First Chronicles chapter 15, verse 16. David spake to the chief of the Levites, to appoint their brethren to be the singers with instruments of music, psalteries and harps and cymbals, sounding by lifting up the voice with joy. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Verse 25 says, So David and the elders of Israel and the captains over thousands went to bring up the Ark of the Covenant out of the house of Obed Edom. If we could all stand together. David, what do you want us to do now? The glory's back, the Ark is here. Everything we hope for, everything that we've lost is back. What now? Well, why don't you go find some singers? Why don't you go find somebody who knows how to play the harp? harp? Why don't you find some trumpeteers? Skillful trumpeteers. Bring your best, boys. We've got some praising to do. there's something there's something right there church hallelujah Hallelujah. don't make me draw you out of those chairs tonight you lead me you show me tonight David what do we do now hey I don't know I don't know I think a song sounds pretty good right now I think a song sounds mighty good right now.